as we live as those who are on parole we're on parole we 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 did the crime we served some time but we're living up under the strict rules of a parole officer and sometimes we we live our lives like escapees from prison always looking over our shoulder wondering who's running behind us who's going to catch us like, like escapees from prison always wondering if you're going to get caught and go back to jail uh, but, but there, there are some who get to a place that get to experience this point in their life where they have been pardoned and they serve some time they, they've done all of those things and being pardoned is good because that means you get set free you still got a pass, but you're free from it. And that's good. But there are very few people who get to a place, Pastor TJ, where they get to a place of exoneration. Come on. <laughs> oh, see, you don't understand the depth and the brevity of exoneration. That means I did the crime. I was charged for the crime. I did the time, but now I've been exonerated. Means that it's been clean, clean. It ain't there no more but the blood. Not only covers it, but washes it away. So therefore, it's no longer there. That when the enemy comes to remind me, what are you talking about? Well, you, you remember, I, I, what are you talking about? You remember back, I, I don't know back. They come before the Lord and say, look at your child. You remember what they done? You remember? He's like, um, what, are, what, what, are, what are you talking about? I have taken their sins and thrown it into a sea of forgetfulness. Never to remember it. Somebody shout no more. Somebody shout again, no more. We're going to shout again, no more.
Father, we thank you in this moment that the judgment don't fit the crime. It's your mercy and your grace that's renewed afresh every day. We thank you today, God. We give you the glory. It's in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Before you see this, snap high five with your neighbor and say, I've been exonerated. I've been exonerated. Can we give a hand clap for the worship as well? Hallelujah. You may take your seats in this place. I've been exonerated. Hallelujah. You ought to be shouting every day. I don't understand. I don't think you understand the price he paid to set you free. To free you. Salvation was just a golden ticket to heaven. You thought your salvation was just a ticket to get through the gates. No, your salvation is more than that. Your salvation is a restoration of who God intended you to be from the very start. So it's not just you going to the by and by and walking the streets of gold and hanging out. Amen. Worshiping with God all day long. No, your salvation is much, much more. He restores you and redeems you back to your rightful place. Amen. Oh, God. So some of you are just sitting in, uh, into your, your, your salvation experience and you're holding it just to a church experience. But when he restores you and redeems you, he sets you to a place of kingdom righteousness that goes beyond the church. So now you can go into the community and live a kingdom righteousness that brings about healing, deliverance, abundance, protection, provision, all of those things. He restores you back to your rightful place. Watch this. Oh, God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save not who is lost but that which was lost so you thought Jesus came to seek and to save the lost person he didn't came he didn't come to seek and save the lost soul he came to seek and to save that which was lost ask your neighbor what was lost ask your other neighbor what was lost ask me say what was lost that's a good question I'm glad you asked he said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you go back to Genesis, he tells man in Genesis that I have given you dominion and authority and power in the earth realm. And he says that I want to redeem you back to that place. And it was lost a long time ago. And I need to restore you back and redeem you back to your proper position. Because you're out of place. Because when you're placed back into your rightful place, then your salvation is magnified. That's where your salvation is now exponential because you're back in your proper place. I, I, I taught at HBI this class the other day. Uh, there's three things, APP. There's an app for it, right? App, APP. God had apps before Apple did. Now watch, the, the, the first thing was man lost his authority in the garden. 
No longer did he have authority over the fish of the sea and the fowls of the air. You know, when Jesus came to the, uh, the shoreline, he told Peter, cast your net on the right-hand side and watch a great haul of fish were caught. You know why? Because Jesus was able to speak to the fish. Because he had authority. His authority over the fish and the fowl of the air. He was able to speak to a fish and say, fish, I need to go pick up a gold coin because we've got to pay some taxes. So when they went to go to the fish and pick up the fish, the fish had a gold coin. Why? Because it had authority over the fish. But that was lost. Somebody shout, that was lost. Then he, he watched this. He, he, man lost his position or watch the presence. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. No longer could they experience the presence of God. Where day in and day out, they will walk in the cool of the day with the Father. So no longer could they walk in the cool of the day. They lost their position in the presence of God. You know what else they lost? They lost power. Lost the power. And if I had a voice, I would say it. they lost the power. Watch. The dunamis power. The infilling of the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus had to come back and breathe again upon so that we can receive that which was lost. The infilling. Watch this. The breath of God. The new Zoe, the breath of God, God breathed his spirit into man. And God says, I gotta send my son to restore and to redeem that which was lost. Now watch, we're so enamored with vows, but the name of God, Yahweh, when you take the vows away, it's impossible to say Yahweh without taking a breath. So watch, it is God's name, Yahweh. So every time you breathe, you're uttering the name of God. His name means breath. So even the atheist, when he goes, oh, he's declaring the name of the Lord. When the foolish go, oh, he's declaring the name of the Lord. When the Islam, the, the, the Muslims, they go, oh. every time you breathe, you declare the name of the Father. Yahweh. I dare somebody to try to call his name without breathing. That's why the first thing you do when you come into this world and you take a breath as a baby, you declare God's name. And your last breath out of this world, you declare God's name. That's why every knee shall bow and every, somebody shout every, every tongue shall confess. Why? Because every time you go, you're declaring God's name. You're declaring God's name. We thank you, Yahweh. We thank you, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh. You are the great I am. You are all that and much, much more. We declare your name not only in the heavenlies, but here on earth. And Father, we're redeemed and restored back to that place so 
that we can have the authority in a domain to declare your name in the government, to declare your name in the city, to declare your name in our household, over our finances, over our bodies, over our minds, over our relationships. We declare your way over it all. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, one last time, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go to work in the time that we have. Grab your Bibles all over the place. Grab your Bibles. Whether it's electronic or whether it's paperback. Amen. It reads the same. Hallelujah. Somebody hold your Bible or your electronic device in the hand. If you don't have your Bible or your phone with you, just place your hand over your heart. The Bible says the word has been etched upon the tablets of your heart. So watch this. You had the word before you even knew the word was the word. (laughs) You came in here equipped with the word. God wrote his word on your heart. You came into existence with the word grafted upon you. So you may not have ever owned a Bible you may have never turned to a Bible app, but you still got the word. Somebody shout, I got the word. Yeah, you got it. You got it. It's in you. Just waiting to be pulled up out of you. It's in you. Now say this. Say, this is my Bible. Say, it is the word of God. It brings life, edification, and correction to my life. This is my Bible where God speaks to me this is my Bible where God has declared to me that I have been free I have been redeemed that I am healed and I am prosperous this is my Bible in Jesus name stand to your feet all over the place there's two quotes I came upon that really blessed me. The first quote, pain is temporary. Quitting lasts forever. Pain is temporary. But quitting lasts forever. Sometimes you got to go through the pain. You got to go through it. You're going to have some trials. You're going to have some tribulations. People going to come in. People going to walk out. But that pain is only temporary. The scripture tells me that this temporary light affliction, it doesn't compare to the exceeding weight of God's glory. It don't even compare. But quitting lasts forever. Tell your neighbor, don't quit. It's failure that gives you a proper perspective of success. It is failure that gives you the proper perspective of success. You don't You really won't know what success is unless you have tasted failure. You won't really appreciate success unless you have first gone through failure. That's when you fall, don't stay down. The Bible says it this way, a righteous man falls seven times. You know why? Because every time he gets up, he gets to experience what God has done to get him up. 
Acts chapter 22, verse 15. Hold your finger there. Then grab the book of Isaiah, chapter number 43. You have the book of Acts chapter 22 and Isaiah chapter number 43 as we make our faith declaration on today. Repeat it loudly and strongly with me if you would. Today I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready and my mind is sharp. I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. I believe what the word says. Do you really believe what the word says? Then shout it with me. I can have what it says I can have. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I believe what the word says about me. I am redeemed. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. I'm more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Shout that again. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Prophesy that over your neighbor. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Talk to your other neighbor. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Shout out, blessed to be a blessing. My house is blessed. My marriage is blessed. My children are blessed. My church is blessed. Now shout real loud, I am blessed. Now shout amen to that if you would. Hallelujah. We're going to begin our time together in the book of Acts. Verse 22, and then we'll jump over to Isaiah. You have it? Say, I have it. If you're still looking, say, I'm looking. Amen. Y'all doing good. Acts chapter 22, verse 15. You will be his witnesses to all people of what you have seen and heard. You will be his witness. Many times when crimes are committed, the law enforcement will look for what's called a material witness. They, they will look for the one who had a first account view of what took place. Someone who has credible evidence of what has taken place that they which can speak to. Because they themselves have witnessed it. You know, it's one thing to see a thing for yourself. Then it's another to hear from someone who saw it for themselves. Now, you can speak of their testimony, but it's a different thing when you can testify yourself. It's a different thing when you've been sick and you can say, Jesus healed me. It's a different thing when you come and someone says, Jesus healed me, and you go and report to somebody else. You know, somebody, uh, somebody I know in church got healed. You can either be a reporter or a witness. <laughs> Ask your neighbor, are you reporting or are you a witness? Because that's all a reporter does is to tell you what happened to somebody else. 
going churchy right now. But when you're a witness, that means I have gone through and done. And on the back end, there was one that healed me. There was one that redeemed me. There was one that set me free. I was broke. But I got provision. I was lost. that when you experience that one it becomes your testimony it's not grandma's testimony it's not the preacher's testimony it's not auntie or, or mama them testimony it's your testimony tell your neighbor you ought to testify says you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and Craig what you have heard witness. Tell your neighbor I'm a witness. Watch. Jump jump over to Isaiah. I, I lost connection. Y'all stay with me. Give me Isaiah. Isaiah. Hallelujah. Anybody in that booth? Let me throw my towel at him. Give me Isaiah. I guess I'm not to throw the towel. Somebody's back there. Amen. They're hiding from him. Give me Isaiah. Miko, you sitting right there. You push the button, button. Amen. Next slide. Isaiah. God, that you are great and mighty God, of which there is no other like you, Father. We 
bless you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Somebody shout again, amen. And amen. Before you see this, stop by Bible, you may say, I'm a witness. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. you Jesus I'm a witness I'm a witness I'm a witness thank you Jesus Napoleon Hill said this he said every adversity every failure every heartbreak carries with it the seed of equal or greater benefit that every adversary adverse thing that you will experience in life it bears with with it a seed the seed of equal or greater benefit. That when you go through something in life, there is a byproduct that will benefit you from what you have gone through. Y'all better understand that. No matter what you go through in life, whether it's success or failure, within that bears a seed that will produce something in your life. So no matter what it is, that's why you ought to begin to praise God for what you go through because it's working something greater on the inside of you. Failure could be a lesson if you're ready to learn. It could be a lesson if you're ready to learn. It is the fool that goes through issues in life and don't learn the lessons of the issues of life. Find themselves going around and around the same circle. You got me going in circles over and over again. Hit your head on the wall, come back around again, hit your head on the wall again. Stub that big toe on the same corner of the nightstand each and every time. Instead of you moving it two feet to the other side, you leave it there and stub your toe time and time again. So today, real briefly, I want to talk to you from this sermon series we've been in the midst of from... Worship to Warfare, we started in addition to that, the crushing, and today I want to talk to you from the thought, crushed for the crowd. Being crushed for the crowd. Being crushed for the crowd. Crowd of what? The people who come around you. For the naysayers. For the backbiters. God says, in the midst of all of that, I'm crushing you for the crowd of people that gather around you. Watch, not to break you nor to destroy you, but so that they'll know that I'm a God that is able. That's why, watch this, and some of you may not be as daring or bold as I am. I say to God, God multiplied my enemy. (laughs) Y'all ain't bold enough to pray them kind of prayers. Lord, I need more enemies. Because he prepares a table before me in the presence. So the more enemies I have, the bigger the presence. So go ahead, let them come, let them come, let them one, let them all come, let them come. Lord, send more. Because now I have a greater crowd, catch this, of witnesses that my God is able I have a bigger audience now to tell these people who come against me that I have a God that is with me. So send the haters, send the enemy, send them all, one and all. Why? Because now I have a bigger platform to say what God has done. 
a great crowd of witnesses, watch this, of those who did not believe now can look at me, can believe. So God multiplied the havens, sent them one and sent them all. So I can have a bigger platform to tell them what you have done. So in the book of Mark, chapter number two, a familiar passage of scripture as we take a turn. Uh, in Mark chapter number two, verse number one, y'all remember the account of the uh, paraplegic, the man who was paralyzed, who had four friends. Somebody shout four. He had four friends, and these four friends uh, were pressing into a place to get to Jesus. But I want to give you a backdrop. Jesus is now home. He has uh, performed many signs and wonders and miracles. In the Gospel of Mark, uh, there are over eight consecutive healings that takes place in the book of Mark. I mean, like one after another, Jesus has performing these miracles and signs and wonders, one after the next. And we find ourselves in this account, in the Gospel of Mark, this is the fifth miracle that Jesus is performing, five being the number of grace. Uh, So we're going to do a little numerology this morning, so stay with me. Five being the number of grace. He is now uh, in the house in Capernaum. Now, Capernaum itself, the backdrop of Capernaum, Capernaum is a city by the sea. Very affluent town. Because watch this, there's a lot of e-commerce. There's a lot of uh, business being transacted. Stuff is being imported and exported. It is kind of like the port of New Orleans where ships come in and go out. it's, It's very wealthy. Why? Because all of the exchanging of services and goods are taking place in Capernaum. It's a very wealthy place. And watch. Jesus has a house in Capernaum. Oh, yeah, some of y'all say, oh, Jesus was poor. Because you read the scripture that says, well, the son of man has no place to lay his head. He wasn't talking about not having a bed. He was not talking about not having a home. He had no place to lay his head. In other words, he was looking for a body. And he couldn't find a place to put his head on a body. The, the church is the body of Christ. And Christ is looking around and saying, I can't find no place. I can't find not one denomination. I can't find one church to put my head on a body. For the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, to put his headship, his authority, his power, his dominion, his government upon. I need a place to put my head on. But as far as the Son of Man, he had a house. And it was in Capernaum. And while Jesus is doing all of these healings, these miracles, these signs and wonders, he's tired because his itinerary was full. He was speaking here, there, and everywhere. He on TBN, BET, he on MTV all over the place. Yeah. He had this conference and that conference, and he's tired. So he goes home to Capernaum, to his house. And when he gets there, the news begins to shed abroad that Jesus had performed all of these miracles, signs, and wonders. And while Jesus is trying to get himself some rest, people began to press, watch this, into his house. They were coming by the droves. People started pressing in because they heard of the healings and the miracles and the signs and wonders. And while they're pressing in, they're hearing Jesus still declaring the word. Watch this. He decides that I'm going to forsake my rest for the sake of the people. Because watch, if they showed up, 
He was gracious enough to give them what they showed up for. He could have turned them away and said, listen, I'm tired. Come back tomorrow. But whenever there is a need, Jesus is there to fill it. So the people are pressing in. And in the Gospel of Mark, we see that the people are so pressed into this house that there's no room left. Oh, to get to a place where there's no room left because of the presence of Jesus. You know, the houses of the body of Christ would be filled if we had witnesses. <laughs> you know, catch that on the way home. Because if you would go and shout of what you witnessed in the house, then people would fill the house. Okay. So the witness have been muzzled. So when something happens, you ought to open up your mouth and declare what has happened. So they're pressing in. Watch this. Not because they saw for themselves. They're pressing in for what they heard. And they come into the house in Mark, the gospel of Mark, chapter number two. It says, and again, he entered into, uh, amen, back to verse one. It says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Somebody shout in the house. Second verse. And it says then, it says, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not as so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Verse 3. And they came unto him. Bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four, in other words, four men holding him, trying to get into to Jesus. Verse number four. And, and, and it says, it says, and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press. Somebody shout the press. They uncovered the roof where he was. These men were so zealous to bring about a healing for their friend. That if they could not go through the door, they said, we're going to tear the roof off this mother. We're going to tear the roof. They, they said, we're going to go through the roof just to get to Jesus. Now, here's the thing. They're in Capernaum, a very affluent city. So they don't have huts and houses of peasants. Their houses are made of mud and brick and mortar. Their houses are stout. Matter of fact, the roofs of the houses were a place for them to relax and watch the stars at night. They could actually physically climb the stairs and go to the roof of the house and rest and recline at night and watch the stars. The roof was so stout that it could hold many people. I'm saying that for a reason. Because these men who could not come through the door the easy entryway, they went to the roof for a difficult way. So in order for them to tear off the roof, it wasn't like the roofs of today where you got plywood and shingle, that pressed wood where you could just stomp your foot a couple times and the nails come loose and you can pry it up with your hands. No, this was brick and mortar. They had to get out their swords and they had to dig into the mortar. They had to put in some work just to get through to Jesus. And we don't want to take the time and effort. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had breaking, broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. So this hole had to be large enough to fit a bed through. 
Good God Almighty. Could you imagine the amount of effort to dig a hole big enough for a man on the bed to fit in? Not only, not only big enough, but the time factor of which they had to dig. They had to work real rigorously in a short span of time to dig a hole. A large enough hole for a man to fit through. And they let down their friend, verse number five. And when Jesus, watched this, underline this in your Bible, if you would. Jesus saw their faith. Oh, come on. Through the roof. Come on. He looked at what was taking place and he did not assess or assign the faith to the man on the bed. He looked at the four people and said, well, look here. That's pretty amazing. They done dug a hole through my roof. They had enough faith to dig a hole in the roof just to see me. Before he could even assess or evaluate what's taking place of a man being uh, on a bed, being sick or his condition. He looked at the ones who broke a hole through the roof and said, man, that's some kind of faith there. Oh, wow. Y'all. Y'all just dug a hole in the roof? <laughs> I mean, y'all just broke through my roof. That's pretty amazing. And when he saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. You know it's important for you to have people around you who will tear the roof off for you. <laughs> it's important to be around people who will be willing to go through the roof on your behalf. Now, let me speed through this. And so there are four principal characters. Somebody shout four. Four is the numeral, biblical number of four. It is also the number of completeness. Uh, during the creation week, when, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created the moon, the, uh, the stars, and, and the sun on the fourth day. It is the day of completion. It is the day where light came into the world, so now that the, the world can have light. Not just physical light, but the light of his presence in the light of his glory. So four is that number of completion. Somebody shout completion. So four principal characters. Number one, the first principal character in this text is the four friends that Jesus looks at and see their faith. The, the second principal character uh, in this text is the paraplegic himself. The paralytic himself. And then the third is Jesus. So when you read this text, there are four entrance points that we need to focus on. The, the four men, the paralyzed man of palsy, the one of palsy, Jesus, and watch this, the last one, the crowd. All of this is taking place in front of people. And all the people who showed up didn't show up to see Jesus. They showed up to ridicule him. They, they showed up to find dirt on Jesus. And guess who those people are? The Sadducees and the Pharisees. And if you don't know who the Pharisees and the Sadducees are, they were sad, you see, because they knew the word, but they didn't know the one who wrote the word. They were the preachers and the teachers and the scholars. They were the theologians of the time. They were the ones who studied the law of Moses and they tried to uh, 
adhere everyone to the strict law of Moses, but they didn't know the grace of God. They didn't understand the mercy of God, and they wanted people to live by the law. So they showed up at the house too. You know what that tells me? There are going to be some people who show up in the church. Not everybody come for Jesus. And they come to see what the pastor tennis shoes look like. What kind of car he driving. What's on his wrist? Is he rocking a rolly? Or I mean, you know, he, he got a Gucci belt on, a Versace. You know, people show up for various reasons. Watch this. To try to discredit the witness. So everybody showed up that showed up wasn't there to, to receive of Jesus, but they were there just to. But they were witnesses, nevertheless, because what they're about to witness is something miraculous. This man lowers from the bed and Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Watch. He didn't say, son, you are healed. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees begin to think in their minds, who is this man that speaks such blasphemy that he is the one to be able to forgive sins? See, in their time, whenever there was one that was sick, whether they were blind or deaf, they believed in their culture. It was because of the sin that this has come upon them. They believe because of sin, that sickness came upon them. So Jesus speaks in their terms, in their dialect. He says, your sins are forgiven. Because he knew who was in the room. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, he knows who's in the room. Oh, uh, yeah, that's where Santa Claus come from. You know, he's checking this list, naughty, <laughs> for those who are naughty and those who are nice, checking it twice. He knows who's in the room. He knows your sin, whether it's evident or not. He knows who's in the room. He knows who came for the right reasons and the wrong reason. He knows who's in the room. And, 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 and so there are witnesses, and there are witnesses in the room. Bring me up to uh, Mark, the next scripture. Uh, it says in Mark chapter number, there it is, chapter 2, verse number 6. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Now watch, they didn't say nothing. With their mouths, but their hearts are speaking. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Verse number eight. So I hasten to a close. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they uh, so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Tell your neighbor he knows what's in your heart. And he says this, whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk. Which is easier? Which one you want me to say? Your sins are forgiven? Arise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man, watch this, has power on earth to forgive sins. Now, you have to underline, if you would, the Son of Man has power. Circle the words, or the words, on earth. See, God has given you power to be a witness. And it's very specific in this text. He says, not the Son of God, but the Son of Man. <laughs> Y'all missed it. He didn't say, me as the Son of God has the power 
to forgive sins on earth, but the son of man. I'll say it again. He didn't say the son of God has power on earth, but the son of man has power. Because he said, if you forgive others, then my father who's in heaven will forgive. So you got power to forgive sins. So watch, if there's a sick person, you can speak to the sickness and say, your sickness is forgiven. Oh, y'all. Because sickness is a sin, but not a sin of omission or cult. And it's not a sin that you do. It's a sin against your body. Because sickness has no legal right or access to your body. So you can say to your body, body, your sins are forgiven. Because <laughs> you got power. Somebody shout, I got power. And he says this, he says, the son of man had power on earth to forgive sins. And he says, he said to the sick of palsy, he said unto thee, arise and take up thy mat, thy bed. Why? Because he was in operation of the power that he has. Watch this, not in heaven. But on earth. He's operating in this authority that he has, not in heaven, but on earth. Why? Because the app has been restored. Yeah. His authority, the power, and the presence has been restored. So he was able to operate in the power. But that ye may know, here it is, the witness, that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins and he said to the sick of the palsy he said unto thee take up thy bed and walk and go thy way into thy own house and fix my roof too while you're at it so so we see Jesus operating in the fashion hear this the testimony of God is far greater than the testiness of man <laughs> the testimony of God is far greater than the testiness of man. They were coming there to be testy, but his testimony is far greater. I want to take a turn just for a second. Y'all remember Job? In Job chapter number one and chapter number two, Satan is going to and fro uh, from the heaven to the earth and he shows up with the angels, and God asks uh, Satan, he says, Satan, where have you been? He says, I've been going around to and fro uh, from the earth. And, and God stops, and he begins to testify. You know what his testimony is? Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him. God begins to testify of Job. Question for you today, beloved, as I close. Can you or are you be the testimony of God? Can God testify about you? Can God look down on earth and begin to declare to the heavenlies and all of your enemies around you, there's my servant Keith Reshaw. There is none like him. He is righteous in all of his ways. He is giving. He is forgiving. He is gracious. He is all of these things. Can God testify about you? Because the crushing that you go through 
it's the crowning moment of God's glory. That crushing that you go through is the crowning moment of God that God can begin to now testify of the goodness that he has bestowed upon your life. You're crushed for the crowd. Why? To build a testimony so that when people come your way, you can tell them what God has done to you and for you and through you. You're crushed for the crowd. God is building a resume. God is building his resume. Every sick body that is healed, check mark on his resume. For every lost soul that was lost, check mark on his resume. For every broke person that now has provision, check mark on his resume. He's building a resume before a great crowd of witnesses of everything he's able to do. Just stand to your feet today. Here's another crowning moment of God's glory of how he can heal set free and deliver how he's able to redeem, restore and renew how he can redeem your marriage watch this, he can redeem your name some of us, our names have been in the mouths of others as mud my God They ain't got nothing good to say about you. Every time your name is mentioned, ain't nothing but negativity. But it's a crushing of how he can redeem your name. Now your name must be spoken in rooms that you're not even present. And watch this. They ain't got nothing but good things to say. Every time they go say, go to say, you know, that old rascal, that old no good thing. Man, God is so good to him. Before they begin to look at your record and all the things you've done, they've been like, Lord, he is so amazing. He'll redeem your name. Those same family members who talk about you are now celebrating. He'll redeem your name. That's what God is able to do. Why? Because the crushing and the witness of the crowds speaks of God's glory. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the crushing, for his building a great crowd of witnesses of your glory. God, we love you and we thank you for what you have done. And Father, now as we stand here as a crowd of witnesses, let there be one God that will come. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus in the pardon of your sins, or maybe you're backslidden. But today you want to get it right. This moment is for you. This is God's epitome. This is his crowning moment. When someone comes from darkness to marvelous light. When someone comes to the saving grace and the knowledge of his son Jesus. This is God's crowning moment. This is his crown jewel. When souls are saved. That's you today. Maybe you're backslidden and you want to get it right. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Today, you want to make sure you get it right with the Father. I see you, sir. I see you. Are there any others today who say, today is the day I got to get it right. Got to get it right. Any others? Any others? Being redeemed today from the past sins, even the current ones. If that's you today, lift your hand. Father, we thank you. Give you glory. If you're here today, you don't have a church home. This is your moment as well to connect with what God is doing here. If that's you today, 
you felt the spirit of God speaking to you, drawing you. If that's you, even online, you can text the word join to the number that's on the screen. If you want to give your life to Christ, you can hashtag in the box uh, below as well. If that's you, look in the join. If that's you today, lift your hand. Thank you, Father. God, we bless you. And God, we give you glory. It's in Jesus' mighty name. For those of you who lifted your hand, you'll be handed a white card. Fill that card out in its entirety. For those of you online, one of our prayer warriors and intercessors will be in contact with you if you made a decision. Hashtag I say yes in the box below if you're giving your life to Christ online. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all that our eyes have seen and all that our ears have heard. We've seen souls get saved today, God. Father, I believe today too, Father, healing is manifesting in the life of your people. As they walk in one way, they shall walk out another. They came in with pain riddling in their body. But, Father, they're walking out with health and wholeness and strength. Father, there are those, Father, now, Father, that are pains and aches in the joints of their feet today, oh God. We thank you for healing now in their ankles. Strengthen now, Father, in the name of Jesus. There are those who came in, God, with migraine headaches, Father, sinus headaches, God. You're healing them now in the name of of Jesus. They came in with it, but they're leaving out without it, God. It's at the altar, God. We thank you now, God. We thank you. There's those who came bound in their minds who have been set free today, held hostage and shackled by their past and all that they have gone through and all that they have done. But today, oh God, they're set free in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we give you glory and God, we give you praise. It's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Somebody shout amen. Shout again amen. Would you give God some glory on your way out today? For those of you who are unfamiliar with Kingdom Ambassadors Leadership Academy, you can stop in the foyer, sign up today. It's an amazing opportunity for you to be transformed in the foyer. For the rest of you, please exit out the side doors, my left and your right, if you would, for our first, second time, maybe third time guest. I would love to shake your hand, meet you, and greet you. I'll be on the left side, your right, through those doors. God bless you and keep you as my friends. Jesus' name, amen.
Testing, testing. We're nothing without you, Father God. We need you each and every minute, Father God. And Lord, here we are to worship you, Father God. Here we are, Father God, to summon your presence, Father God, for the 1115 service, Father God. That you will tabernacle here with us, Father God. That you will fellowship with us here right now, Father God. As the word go forth, Father God, to make an impact into our lives, Father God. Lord, we need you, Father God. Lord, I pray that we continue to have a hunger and thirst for you, Father God. Lord, that we continue to seek out the righteousness, Father God, for your holy and righteous, Father God. You're worthy to be praised, Father God. And Lord, we bind the works of Satan, Father God, to be for, Father God, from this ministry, Father God, to be for, from this service, Father God. I thank you, Father God, for the leading and guiding, Father God, of the people, Father God, that, Father God, those that may not know you, Father God, but they will leave here saved, Father God, that the backsliders are returning back to you, Father God, that you're raising up, Father God, believers, Father God, to a level of maturity, Father God, that they continue to walk in you, Father God, that they continue to walk in your love, Father God, that they continue to embrace you, Father God, in a lovely way, Father God, continue to embrace your people, Father God, with love, Father God. And Lord, we just thank you, Father God. Lord, we praise you, Father God, for you're so wonderful, Father God. Glory to your name. Glory, hallelujah, Father God, for you're worthy, Father God. You're so worthy, Father God. You're so awesome, Father God. And Father, I pray, Father God, that you would speak, Father God, through apostles today, Father God. That, Father God, that grace will fall upon the hearers, Father God. That the word will go forth, Father God, in their hearts, Father God. They will touch their hearts, taking root, Father now in the name of Jesus, Father God. Lord, we bless your name today, Father God. We honor you, Father God. Father, I pray, Father God, as the 
praise team, Father God, the music, musicians, Father God, take the platform, Father God, that they're singing and playing, Father God, to the glory of you, Father God, that we're declaring your glory, Father God, throughout the nations, throughout the people, Father God, as we give you praise, Father God, as we give you honor, Father God, as we stand back, Father God, and allow you, Father God, to take over, Father God, as we surrender all to you, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father God, that we're surrendering all to you, Father God, that, Father, we understand that our lives doesn't... Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We thank you, Lord. Let's stay right there for a second. Oh, thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. 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 Come on, lift your hands all over the place. Father, we thank you in all, in all things. All that you have done and all that you shall continue to do. We thank you. We thank you, O oh God, for moving in our families, restoration, and relationships. We thank you in advance, God, for healing of our souls. We thank you in advance. Thank you for peace of mind. Thank you for healing for our bodies in advance. Thank you for making a way where we seem to be no way. God, we thank you. We thank you for his protection and the covering around our family. God, we thank you. Thank you in advance, God. We put our praise on it as a layaway payment, God, for what's to come. We thank you in advance, God. Say thank you.
So I am so grateful today as we have ushered her into her young adult life to be able to go on to do all that God has called her to be. So that song, when you begin to sing that song about thanking God, I just feel so thankful. So many other things to be thankful to be here with y'all today, to watch and see how God's going to move in your life. Thankful to be a part of your journey, to see how God is going to transform and change your life. I'm just thankful. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you again for what you're going to do even in this time that we have together. We're thankful, God, that we get to come into your presence and experience your presence. We're thankful. We're thankful. Lord, we're thankful. More importantly, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made. Give your only begotten son that made a way unto eternal life and salvation in you. We're thankful, Lord. And God, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I said amen. I said amen. Clap your hands. Give God some praise if you would. Clap your hands for the worship. 
Clap your hands for all of those online today here in the sanctuary. Clap for them. Let them hear you on today. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. We thank God for each of you being here today. For my sake and my sake only, if you're here for the first, second, or even third time, we like to say it this way, reoccurring time. Uh, what do we mean by reoccurring? You have come time and time again, but you have yet to make a decision to make Elevate Church your place of worship, your church home. If that's you today, if you've been coming more than three times, but you have yet to make a commitment, or if this is your first or even second time, just do me a favor, slip your hand in there and wave at me. Amen. 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 Yes, come on. I like that little fit pop. Come on, Dr. Brown. Is that a jacket or a shirt? All right. Amen. I see you. I see you. Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We'd like to welcome you like this at Elevate Church. Elevate! That was kind of a little bit on the low side. Elevate! A little more energy for your neighbor. Elevate! Okay, there we go. Amen. Just hope you're awake. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's jump into this thing. A couple of things before we get started on today, as you saw in the announcements, we still have our Kingdom Ambassador Leadership Academy registration. Amen. Come on, Ambassador Alexis Ardwan. Amen. Our Kingdom Ambassador Leadership Academy has transformed and changed lives uh, now by the hundreds because uh, right now our enrollment has jumped to 90 plus people who have enrolled for this Kayla 2.0. So we thank God for those who have already enrolled for Kingdom Ambassadors Leadership Academy. The first thing you think about when you think about leadership is you think about a position or a title. When a person says about, hey, I need you to enroll in leadership, you think first thing is, I don't want to do nothing in church. I don't want to be a leader. I don't want that responsibility. But leadership, hey, daughter, how are you? I, I saw you, but I didn't see you. Amen. It's good seeing you. Amen. So leadership is not about a position or it's about a title, right? That's the first thing we think about is that, man, I got to be in a position. I got to, you know, answer the people and accountability and all of those things. But leadership is not about a position. Leadership is a posture of your heart. It, it, it is the way you walk and you carry yourself. It, leadership is about that core component uh, of your life that you get to impart into others. That's leadership. Because if you're not leaving something with somebody after you have encountered them, then you really don't have the essence of leadership. But every time that you encounter somebody, you should be leaving something with them. That's leadership. What can I give you of me that'll make a change and a difference in your life? What little piece of me, what nugget, what encouragement, what word, what advice that I give, or just my presence showing up that shifts the atmosphere that can leave something in your life that will change you forever. That's leadership. Leadership is ushering in something new into a person's life. When you get back to your job, when you're empowered as a leader, you walk in and things change. Atmosphere shift because of your presence. That's leadership. It's not about the title you have. Now watch, catch it. Titles are important. Titles are important. I don't need no title. Just call me a child of God. 
that's a title by itself. So if you don't need a title, then we won't have to title you as a child of God. Titles are important. What is the purpose of a title? The purpose of a title is to define the duties and the responsibilities of that title. It is the way you function and you operate. Mothers in the house, let me see you. You have a title. Mom. And because of that title, it defines your, root, your duties and your responsibilities. Because without that, we don't know what you ought to be doing. Amen. Did y'all catch that? So titles are important, but it's the way you use that title. It's even more so important. So if you're using it to pull people down and beat them over their head, then you don't need a title. And if you're only trying to get a title just so you can have power and authority over another, then you definitely don't need a title. Amen. So those things are important. So for those of you who have an interest in signing up for Kingdom Ambassador Leadership Academy, we have ambassadors all over this place who have graduated. Matter of fact, let me see my Kingdom Ambassadors stand to their feet right now for those of you who have read. Amen. Graduated from Kingdom. Look around. Look around. Look, they're running through the door. Amen. 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 So we graduated 63 people from Kingdom Ambassador Leadership Academy. Now we have enrolled 90 people in the kingdom of ambassador let's give the lord a hand clap of praise we have people who have signed up all the way from new york to idaho west virginia uh mississippi all over the place they're signing up it's a hybrid program online as well as in person even though we encourage everybody to be here in person because the anointing flows heavily in the building amen let's go to work on today grab your bibles all over the place amen As we grab the word, stand to your feet. We're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter number 22. As well as Isaiah, chapter number 43. Can we get that door closed to my right over here, your left? Amen. Two quotes I came upon that really blessed my heart and my spirit. Pain is temporary, but quitting lasts forever. Pain is temporary. But quitting lasts forever. There are some things you're going to have to go through in life, some pain that you're going to endure in life. But tell your neighbor, don't quit. Don't, don't stop, don't quit. If you're going through something right now, go all the way through it so you can get to the other side. Because quitting lasts forever. It is one thing that will torment you for the rest of your life. There are people who I know who quit high school and now they're tormented by that failure in high school, that, that inability to complete, to continue, to accomplish something. Now they're tormented by it. It's that thing that will kind of hamper you in life because you are held whole captive by quitting. Another one is, it's failure that gives you the proper perspective of success. Failure would help you really appreciate success. So let's go to work on today. But before we do, we'll find ourselves in Acts chapter 22 in the book of Isaiah chapter 43. We're going to make our faith declaration on today. So say it loud and strongly if you would with me. Would you say today I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready and my mind is sharp. I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. 
I believe what the word says. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. I believe what the word says about me. I am redeemed. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. I'm more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Come on, bless your neighbor right fast. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Prophesy that over your other neighbor. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Shall I'm blessed to be a blessing? My house is blessed. My marriage is blessed. My children are blessed. My church is blessed. Shout, I'm blessed. Now say amen if you would. And amen and amen. Acts chapter number 22 is where we'll begin. And then we'll jump over to Isaiah. In the book of Acts chapter number 22, the word of the Lord declared to us is, You will be his witnesses to all people. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. You will be his witness to what you have seen and what you have heard. There are some things God is going to show you, some things that God is going to say to you, that you will be a witness of these things to all people. You got to catch the whole, catch a hold of that, is that God wants to show you some things and he wants to say some things to you so that you can be a witness. When a crime is committed, the team, the legal team, looks for a material witness. That is one who has evidence, not of what they have heard, not by hearsay, but what they have seen for themselves. (laughs) Not a testimony of somebody else, because it's easy to share somebody else's testimony. It's easy to say what God did for somebody else. But baby, when you have an encounter with God for yourself, when he's done something for you, boy, you ought to open up your mouth. Matter of fact, let's take 30 seconds and testify to the atmosphere of what God has done. Come on, open up your mouth and shout glory. You got to have your own testimony. And God says, I, I want you to witness the things you have seen and the things that I heard. I want you to testify. Take your neighbor testify. Jump over to Isaiah chapter number 43. It says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. There is no other. Father, now in the name of Jesus, there is no other beside you you are the one and the only you're the god that can heal it be god you are the god that can set us free your elohim el shaddai you are jehovah and god for which we give you the glory and the praise and the honor it's in jesus mighty name we do pray somebody shout amen and amen you may be seated in the presence of the lord we started the sermon series entitled From Worship to Warfare and have given you an addition to that 
last week and the week before entitled The Crushing. The Crushing. How many of you were here for The Crushing? The start of The Crushing. The crushing is part of the process that God takes you through because what's on the inside of you, God wants to get to. So in order to get to the good part that's in you, God has to crush the outer you. And some of us are going through the pressure of life and we're feeling the pressure to the point where we're being crushed. And it's only God who says that I need to get to the good part in you so You're going through what you're going through right now because there's something greater on the inside of you. Something greater. Why? Because on the inside of you is something so great that once it's exposed, it's going to testify to those around you of my goodness. God is looking for you to be a testimony. Tell your neighbor, God is looking for you to testify. In 2 Corinthians, we gave you the scripture on last week. It says, for uh, our light afflictions, our momentary troubles, uh, achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. That the light thing that you're going through now, God says what you're going through, it does not compare, nor can it compare to what's to come. Can't compare. I don't care what it is you go through. There is something greater on the other side. Always, there's something great on the other side. And of which when we come through, we ought to have a testimony that testify of the God that brought us through. Can you say amen to that? Hear this. Uh, Napoleon Hill said this. Every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. Let me break that down for you. Everything you go through in life, has something far greater on the inside of it. If you see an apple seed, that apple seed has something far greater than the seed itself on the inside of it. Okay. You see that one apple seed, and in that apple seed, there's something far greater than the seed itself. If you take that apple seed and you plant it in the ground, you won't get one apple. If you take that one seed and put that one seed in the ground, you'll get more than just a bush of apples. You'll get a tree or orchard of apples. And inside of those apples have more seeds that produces more trees. And inside of those seeds produce even more trees. That's always greater in the seed than one can perceive. Yeah, I missed that. That's always far greater in the inside of a thing than what you see of the thing itself. So inside of you is something far greater. And in order to get to the greatness, I got to crush the outer you to get to the greater you. I got to crush you. Because there's something on the inside of you. And what the world see, they see one way, but on the inside of you, I see greatness. Tell your neighbor there's greatness on the inside of you. It's greatness. It's bigger than where you came from. (laughs) It's bigger than your bloodline. It's bigger than your legacy, your inheritance. It's far bigger than you. Oh, you you one of them reshore boys. You know, ain't nothing ever came out of of them reshore folk. That's, That's bigger. That's bigger in you. So I don't care what family you belong to. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what hood, what set you claim it. There's greater on the inside of you. And God says the only way I can get to the greatness is to crush you. Is to crush you. 
Sometimes that may come in the form or fashion of people leaving you. It's a crushing. It's a crushing. I can't believe this one left. Crushing. God says, I needed them to go. Because they were hindering your growth. I needed them to step out of the picture because I'm painting a more beautiful picture. Hallelujah. Just go ahead and crop them out the picture. No, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Thank God. Amen. So every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries in it the seed of equal or greater benefit. So let's go. Uh, in this sermon series, I, I want to talk to you on today from the, top, uh, from the topic, uh, the crushed for the crowd. Because what God wants to do through your life is he wants to crush you for the crowd. What do you mean, apostle, crushed for the crowd? Is that the thing that you're going through right now, God says, I'm crushing you so that you could be a testimony to all the people around you. For the crowd of witnesses, the people who would gather around you. That what you're experiencing right now will be a testimony of my goodness. So I got to crush you in the midst of the crowd so that you can have a testimony. And we see in Mark, the gospel of Mark, chapter number two and verse number one. In this account, we see Jesus uh, at his hometown in Capernaum. I want to give you a backdrop on Capernaum. So I want to take my time through this. It's almost an expository uh, approach on the text. But Jesus is in Capernaum. Capernaum is a city by the sea. It's a very affluent city, very wealthy. Uh, There's commerce taking place there in Capernaum. Because of the piers and the docks, they have uh, imports and exports going in and out. People are exchanging goods and services. So there's a lot of money flowing through Capernaum. Just say it with me. Say money. Not go hood with me for a sake, say money. Yeah. A lot of money going through there. It's a very wealthy place. When you study archaeologists, archaeologists have found that Capernaum had a lot of wealth. The homes and the structure and the styles of the homes were radiant in Capernaum. The structures were sound. It wasn't homes like you would find in peasant time, in peasant time, uh, towns. It wasn't straw roofs and uh, palm branches roof. No, they, they were made of concrete. They were solid. I'm, I'm giving you this for a reason because as we're going to see in the text in a second of an occurrence that takes place. But Capernaum is very wealthy. And watch this. Jesus had a house in Capernaum. And many oftentimes, uh, Mr. Stephen, uh, we take this text for granted where it says the son of man has no place to lay his head. So we think that Jesus was uh, impoverished and that he didn't have money. Somebody shout money. Okay. We think that Jesus didn't even have a house. But the text that you'll see in a second, Jesus had a home and his house was in Capernaum. So when you hear that text that says, and the son of man has no place to lay his head, it wasn't talking about Jesus not having a place to live. It was talking about a place to put his headship. Oh, okay. 
It, it was Jesus saying, the son of man have no place to lay his head. He was looking for a body to connect his head to. And the text tells us that Jesus is looking for a body. What kind of body? The church body. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the body. Look at, the, look at your neighbor and say, you are the body. And he says, the son of man have no place to lay his head. He is looking for a body that he can put his head on. And he tells the disciples, oh, wait a minute. The son of man have no place to lay his head. I have no church. I have no denomination. I'm looking for a people who believe in me. And I want to put my headship, my lordship on top of them. But I can't find nobody. He's looking for a body. So Jesus has a home. And it's in Capernaum. So we go to the text now with that in mind in Mark chapter 2. Somebody shall prove it. Okay, Mark chapter number two, verse number one. And again, he entered into Capernaum. After some days, it was noise that he was in the house. Somebody shout he was in the house. Now, notice the flow of the text. He was in the house. It didn't say that he entered into some disciple's house. He didn't enter into someone who was hosting him. He entered into the house. Uh, matter of fact, if you read some translations, it's, it even specifies that Jesus went to his hometown to his house but as he entered into the house there was a noise abroad people were saying watch this what they heard about Jesus some were even testifying what they saw Jesus do they witnessed firsthand the miracles signs and wonders and because of so they began to press in into Jesus house they were in the doorways hanging out the windows surrounding the house just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And as they heard the noise and again entered into Capernaum, after some days, there was a noise that uh, he was in the house. Somebody shout in the house. So as he was in the house, uh, here it is, verse number two, and straight away, many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now, can I... Take a pause for a second. Here it is. Jesus is tied from all the miracle signs and wonders. In the Gospel of Mark, there are eight miracles that take place consecutively just in Mark alone. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle that Jesus is performing. In the Gospel of Mark, this is the fifth miracle that we're about to encounter upon. The fifth miracle, five being the number of grace. Somebody shout grace. So we're going to deal with a little numerology today just to help you understand things. So five being the biblical number of grace. And here it is. This is the fifth miracle we're about to witness right now that's about to take place in the text. And here it is. Jesus is probably tired. He'd been to this conference. He'd been to manpower. He'd been a woman to all lose. I mean, he's at all these conferences. He's preaching and teaching at all of these revivals. And he's tired, y'all. He tied. Tied. So he goes home to get rest. But the people wouldn't give him no rest. They're pressing in because they heard what had happened and what he'd done. And watch. Jesus forsakes rest to meet a need. Ooh, Jesus. Can I drop that on you this afternoon? Jesus, whenever there's a need, he is there ready to meet the need. 
And he forsakes rest and he begins to preach the gospel to all of these people. And as he begins to preach to him, and the word says that, and they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Now, in one translation, it says that four men are carrying a man who is paralyzed, who's of palsy. And they're carrying him on a stretcher. And they come to see Jesus, but there's so many people pressed in on Jesus that they can't get into the building. Oh, if the church, my God, would begin to witness all the things that God does, not just see something, not just hear something, catch it, beloved, but would say something about what they saw, would say something about what they heard, then there would be so many people pressed into the church just to see Jesus. But what I'm saying to you today is, is that when you see Jesus do something in your life, you ought to testify. So these four men, carrying their friend on this bed, tries to get into the house. But there's no room. They can't get in. So what they do is, watch. And when they come, they could not come nigh unto him. For there were so many people. Give me verse number four. There were so many people there that they could not get in. And when they could not come nigh unto him, this is what they did in verse number four. They climbed to the rooftop carrying this friend. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. Now, the reason why I gave you the architectural structure of the building is because the rooftop was made of uh, mud and clay, hardened mud and clay with timbers and beams. So it wasn't a straw roof that you could just pull back the straw and peer in. It's made of basically what we have in today's time, concrete. So these men climbed to the rooftop. Now, the rooftop in those days were a day, a place of, of relaxation. They would climb to the rooftop at night. They would sit upon the deck and they would gaze at the stars and they would just hang out on the rooftop. So this rooftop was pretty stout and sturdy. It could carry the weight. So these men are carrying their friend up the stairs to this rooftop. And you know what they do? They tear the roof off the place. Tear the roof off the... Tear the roof off the... Yeah. They begin to tear the roof off. Now watch. They dig a hole so big with enough room to lower a man into it. But it's not just a tearing of way. They had to dig. To get through the roof. They had to shovel debris and particles out the way just to get to Jesus. Oh, and we have a hard time getting dressed on Sunday. We have a hard time pressing into our word in the evening. I'll do it later. A hard time. And here it was, these men were willing to tear the roof off of a building just to get to Jesus. Thank you, sir. Just to get to Jesus. So they tore the roof off, uncovered the roof, and when they had broken it up, 
and let down, I'm not done, had broken it up, back to verse 4, and broken it up and let down, back to 4, 3, 2, 1, 4, there we go, and let down the bed where the sick of the palsy laid. They tore off the roof and lowered the man down into the presence of the Lord. Now watch, I just want to give you a picture of what's taking place. Jesus is preaching. Y'all just, just for a second. I'm not Jesus, but I look like him. Look at your neighbor and say, you look like him too. Yeah, you were formed and fashioned in his image and his likeness. So just imagine I'm preaching. And there's dust falling on my head. And I go back to preaching and there's more dust on my head. I'm like preaching. And then all of a sudden, a mat is being lured before me. All of a sudden, while I'm proclaiming the gospel, preaching the gospel, a man is extending from the roof. I can only imagine Jesus like, oh, Lord, look at this. My God, what's happening here? And as the man is being lured into his presence, watch what happens. As they're luring the man down, verse number five tells us, and when Jesus saw the man being lured, he didn't look at the man's faith. And Jesus looked at their faith. Who's their faith? The four men who had the tenacity and the zeal to tear off a roof just to get into Jesus' presence. Could you imagine? You're like, my God, look at the faith of these men. That's amazing. They done, they done, Pastor TJ done tore my roof off. They, they done tore the roof off. Just to get Jesus. And Jesus said, man, they must have a whole lot of faith that they're going to tear the roof off the place just to get to me. They're going to rip open the wall just to get a glimpse of me. He looked at their faith. He saw the man, but he saw their faith even greater. Before he could even assess or evaluate what was going on, faith stood high. Before he could even see the diagnosis, the paralysis of the man, he looked up and said, faith. Before he even knew that what cancer was uh, there before him, before he knew his age, before he knew it was like, he looked up and said, my God, faith. Jesus saw their faith. And he said to the one who was sick unto palsy, of palsy, son. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Wait a minute, not Jesus. Time out. The man's sick. And you forgiven his sins? Wouldn't you think he would say, man, your palsy is healed? No. He stops and he says that your sins are forgiven. Why, why does he start with the sins? Because in their time, they, they perceived that uh, sickness was born out of sin. 
So if a man was blind, they said, oh, you must have some sin in your life. And maybe it wasn't your sins. Maybe it was your mama and them sins. Maybe it was what your daddy did. Maybe Papa was a rolling stone. Maybe, maybe, maybe daddy kept on. You know, he looked at in their culture that it was the sin of either them or their parents that brought forth sickness on the body. Jesus said, well, since that's the way y'all think, that's what I'm going to use. Your sins are forgiven. Can I tell you something today? Sin in your or sickness in your body is sin to your body. Because it don't belong there. <laughs> sin is illegal in your body. I mean, sickness is illegal in your body. So unto your body, that dis-ease is a dis-ease unto your body. Because it don't belong there. So when you have sickness in your body, it's as sin to your body. Because it don't belong there. So you can talk to your body. And say, body, your sin is forgiven. Y'all missed it. So if you got sickness in your body, talk to the sickness. Sickness, your sin is forgiven. You are free. You can talk to your body and forgive your body of sin. That's why the Pharisees and the Sadducees had a hard time with Jesus forgiving people of sickness and disease. Watch this. So inside of that room. Oh, okay. Let, let, let me bring it to the scripture. Somebody say, shall prove it. Uh, look, look at Mark chapter number six. I mean, chapter number two, verse number six. It says this. It says, But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Now, they didn't say nothing with their mouths. They just saying in their hearts. Look what they're saying in their hearts. Why doth this man speak blasphemous? Why is he blaspheming? In other words, he's trying to say he is as God to forgive sins. Why does this man speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God? They were so uh, focused on the religious or the religiosity of law that they were saying that you cannot forgive sins of your own because watch what it says. It says that Jesus, the son of man, come to forgive sins. Why does this man speak blasphemies? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says this in verse number 11. It says, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way unto thy own house. And immediately he arose and he took up his bed and he went forth before all of them. Inasmuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw it. We never saw this on this fashion. We never saw it on this fashion. They begin to glorify God because they saw a miracle manifest before them. Watch, Jesus says your sins are forgiven and the man is healed because he forgave him of his sins. I want to go back to verse number 11. It says, I say unto thee, smile, shall when you see something, you should say something. Jesus saw sickness and he said sickness flee. Take up your bed and walk away. So Jesus uses the verbiage, catch the verbiage in the text. He says, the son of man has power to forgive sins on the earth. 
I want to stop there for a second because I believe that's important for us to understand why Jesus is using this type of verbiage. He says that the son of man has power to forgive sins on the earth. He has power to forgive sins on the earth. Now watch. Y'all know the, the scripture that says that Jesus have come to seek and to save. Right? He's come to seek and to save. Watch, not who's lost, but that which is lost. He come to seek and to save, not who is lost, but that which is lost. What was lost? Ask your neighbor, what was lost? Ask your other neighbor, what was lost? Ask me, what was lost? I'm glad you asked. I think I'll tell you. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. The thing that was lost was lost in the Garden of Eden. If you're taking notes, write this on the side of your paper. A-P-P. 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 App. You know God had apps before Apple did. The, the, the first thing that was lost, number one, was authority in the Garden of Eden. Man lost his authority. Lost his authority. God had given man authority and power and dominion in the earth realm, and the moment man sinned, authority was gone. The second thing man lost in the Garden was position and presence. Man lost his position in the garden. It was where in the garden they got to experience the presence of God in the cool of the day for eternity. They were supposed to be in God's presence for eternity. But the moment they sin, authority gone, position and presence gone. That's when God looked at Adam after Adam had sinned. Not this Adam, but the other Adam. After, after he had sinned, he looked at him and said, Adam, where are thou? Where are you, Adam? Not that God didn't know where Adam was. He's all-knowing. He says, Adam, where are you? You are out of position. You're not in the position that I have ordained and anointed and appointed you to be in. You're out of position. You have lost your position, Adam. And because you are out of position, no longer can you be in my presence. So he lost his authority. Lost his position, lost presence, and the last P, watch, lost power. Lost power. When Jesus came into the earth realm, he came into the earth realm, watch this, to redeem that which was, to restore you back to authority, to restore you back to your position, and to restore you back into power. That's why Jesus came. He saw it so fitting that after the resurrection, he could not go on into glory to be with the Father. He had to come back, watch this, to breathe back into you power of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't even go and sit at the right hand of the Father until he first restored you back to full power. A couple days ago, the power went out at the church and I called the electrical company. I said, hey, we got a power outage out here. They said, okay, let us do some research to see if there's some other houses who are experiencing the same thing. 
says, yes, then we have some other reports. Said about an hour and a half to two hours, we will restore you to full. Y'all missed that. They said about an hour and a half or two, we'll restore you back to full. They said about an hour and a half, too, we're going to restore you back to full. Y'all must still be having a power outage. He said about an hour and a half or two, going to restore you back to full. Golly, it's happening all over the city. Is that all the power y'all got? He says about an hour and a half or two, going to restore you back to full. Full power. Full power. So Jesus comes back to restore us back to full power. The reason why we have full power is so that we could be a witness. He wants to restore you back to full power so that you could be a witness. And what happens is he tells the man, he says that, man, you are forgiven of your sins so that you now can be restored back to full power. Verse number 10, it says, but that ye may know that the son of man have power on earth to forgive sins. The son of man have power on earth to forgive sins. Watch, not in heaven, but on earth. So as he is, so are we. Check out the verbiage now. If you're reading it, he says that the Son of Man have power on earth to forgive sins. As he is, so are we. So you have power to forgive sins. Matter of fact, God says it this way. If you don't forgive others, you won't show forgiveness or you think they hurt you. They crucified me. They put nails in my hands. They put nails in my feet. They pierced my side with the spear, placed a crown of thorns upon my head. They flogged me, whipped me, beat me, pulled the hairs out of my beard. You think they did something to you? And you can't forgive them? Oh, because they put something on Facebook about you? And you can't forgive them? Because they stepped on your toe, took your spot, your position, took your glory, and you can't forgive them? They abandoned you, rejected you, and you can't forgive them? They rejected me. Oh, you worried about persecution. They first persecute me. So you have power. Somebody shout, I got the power. Come on, music factory. So there are four principal characters. I'm closing with this. Four principal characters that we need to take note of in this text. Number one is the four friends. Four friends. Four friends. You need four rider dies with you. Four rider dies. You won't have many friends in life, but you need four good ones. Some of y'all are trying so hard to be popular amongst the many and the multitude. Find you four good friends. Four good friends. That you could be down like four flat tires with. That, I mean, four good friends. That when you're going through, they'll be willing to tear the roof off the, tear the roof off the, tear the roof on your behalf. Get you four, 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 
Four that have raised some money to get you out of jail. Y'all quiet up in here. I, I mean, four people that, that can get your bail money together and say, we're going to get them. We ain't going to let them stay in there too long. You know what I mean? Get you four good friends that'll be willing to call you up when you're down and out. Four. Somebody shout four. Four is the biblical number of completion. Completedness. It's the number of completedness. It's the number where God, in doing the week of creation, he created the sun and the moon and the stars. He made it complete on the fourth day. It's the number of completeness. Get your four friends. The, the, the second principle character is, is, the par- uh, is the paralyzed man, the man of palsy, the paralytic himself. Now watch, so often we testify of what others have done, but it's another thing to testify what God has done for us. So we see the text of the zealousness of these four friends, but you've got to know that the man who is going through palsy himself had to have some faith. Because I don't know about you, but if four of my crazy ride-or-die friends decided to tear a roof in the building and to lower me down, you got to have some faith. TNF, you got to have some faith for that. you got to have some faith. I can't move, can't do nothing, but just trust them. you got to have some faith. you got to have some faith for that. And here it is, this paralyzed this man, man of palsy. He's being lowered down like, look, Joe, don't drop me. Joe, you play too much, Joe. Ronnie, get, get Joe. Get, get him. He played too much. No, we got you, dude. We got you. We got you, man. We brought you all this way because we believe that the God who created the heavens and the earth, we believe that the God who flung the stars in the sky, we believe that the one who created the world and hold it together by his spoken word. We believe that God is there to heal you. Okay, Joe, I got you. All right, Joe. I believe you too, Joe. Come on, put me down a little lower, Joe. I'm almost there, Joe. Just keep on going. Come on, Ronnie, help him out. Hold it tight, Ronnie. We're almost there. We're almost there. He had enough faith. He had to have some faith. He could have asked at any moment, take me off of this thing. Y'all crazy. You so crazy. But we see the principal character in this is faith at work. Four crazy friends. One man with crazy faith. And number three, bringing them before a crazy God that is willing to heal in the face. One crazy God who is willing to heal in the face of adversity. You got Pharisees and Sadducees there. These were people, watch this, of our time. We call bishops, apostles, and prophets, and pastors. They were scholars and men learned of the word. But watch, they knew the word but didn't know the word. Ah! They studied the word. But they didn't know the word. Talk to us, John verse number one in the beginning was the word and the word was and the word was and in verse number 14 of that very same text it says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we behold the glory the glory of the only begotten of the father which is Jesus 
So they knew the word, but they didn't know the one of the word. And they were in the midst. Watch this. They showed up in the same place with the same people who were there to seek the word, but they weren't there for the word. They were there to persecute and ridicule. They were there to find out a way to trip and to ensnare Jesus. They were there just to show, just like some of y'all, don't hold them in judgment. Some of y'all came, y'all ain't come for the word. You came to check off a duty on your list. Because mama made you go to church. Oh, I got to go to church today because if mama calls, she's going to ask me, did you go to church today? And I'll be able to say yes. Everybody that shows up to church is not here for the word. Some of y'all here for the fish and the bread. You know, we're going to eat after church. Some of y'all just come for the meal after church. So everybody that shows up don't show up for the same reason. Maybe some of y'all showed up for that little cutie that showed up last week. Y'all, you know I You know I'm telling the truth. Boy, they got some fine women to elevate. I'm going to elevate. Well, that's a whole lot of single men that elevate. somebody to I heard you in the spirit say out <laughs> so everybody don't show up for the same reason everybody don't show up for the same thing and here was the Pharisees and the Sadducees showed up but they were looking to entrap Jesus they had an ulterior motive but Jesus was willing to heal and watch this to show himself in error like this bug that flew up on my glasses Trying to tear the roof off, Lord. <laughs> so everybody don't show for the same thing. And it was they showed up to try to ensnare Jesus. But he was willing to be scrutinized for the sake of another. He was willing to be persecuted. Watch this. This was a serious claim, blasphemy serious claim it was this type of claim that they were making upon Jesus that he could be stoned for so for him to say that I have the power to forgive sins he was making himself equal with God but not considering himself to be robbery to be equal with God he's putting himself in a position to be stoned but he says listen I'll be willing to be stoned so that you can be healed so Jesus is a principal character in the text and the fourth one is the crowd the crowd of people that Jesus is telling us today I want you to be crushed in the midst of the people so that there can be a testimony of how I can heal even in the crushing that I need you to be crushed in the midst of all of these people so they can testify you also the God that can heal you crushed for the sake of the crowd because there's something on the inside of you so great that when you're crushed it'll begin to pour out and it'll be a benefit and a blessing not only to you but to everybody around you crushed for the crowd to be a witness and a testimony of what God is able to do would you bow your heads with me because I believe there's somebody today 
You're in the midst of the crushing. Pressure is weighing down on every side. Everywhere you look, pressure, 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 pressure. Can I tell you something? Don't let the pressure of the press prevent you from pressing to the promise. Pressure on every side. Don't let the pressure of the press prevent you from pursuing God's presence. So often we go through things in life and we go through those things and we forsake the presence of God. We stay home and we hide out, get depressed, throw a pity party when we should be pressing into his presence. So I'm going to pray in a second. After that prayer, I want you to make a daring decision in the midst of the pressure, in the midst of the press, in the midst of the crushing you to decide to accept Jesus as the answer to your prayers. Father, now in the name of Jesus, Spirit of the living God, breathe afresh in this place. And just as your name is, your name is breath, Yahweh. (laughs) Breathe the breath of life into these empty vessels again. Breathe afresh that we may have life and everlasting life. Zoe, Numa, breathe now into every dry and thirsty vessel in this house. That in the midst of their crushing, oh God, that you will be glorified. We thank you now, God. And God, we give you the glory and the praise. If you're here today with your head still bowed, and you're in the midst of the press and you're going through it right now, and you're finding it hard-pressed to see the hand of God moving your life, and you're asking the question, God, where are you? God, have you forsaken me? Have you left me? Have you left me? I got news for you, beloved. He has never left you nor forsaken you. And just because you can't see his hand moving does not mean that he's not moving. And you're here today. You're going through it. And you say, God, I need you in this moment. Maybe you are in your sin. You have not accepted him in the part of your sin. And maybe you're backslidden in sin. He's here today to welcome you home. If that's you today, you want to get it right with the Father. If that's you, would you lift your hand right now and do it now? All over this place. Don't leave this place. I see even the little kids are raising their hand. If you're here today, don't leave the same way that you came in here. Today is a day of freedom and liberty. If that's you today, accepting Jesus and the part of your sins, or maybe you're backsliding, and today you're saying, Lord, I want to get it right. I want to make sure I have it right. I'm in this crushing, and my sins or my sickness is not a cause of my sins. Jesus said this. When they ask the question, well, who, whose fault is this? Is it the father's sins or his own sins? He said, none. He says that my father will be glorified in this. So now you're going through it. God says, I want to get some glory after this. And you're going through it right now. God says, I want to get some glory out of what you're going through. That's you today. Make a decision to follow him. Maybe your love for him has waxed and waned cold. You are on fire for the things of God, but now your flame has, has dwindled. Today, God wants to rekindle your flame today. If that's you as well, would you lift your hand in the air? Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. God, we bless you. God, we thank you. And God, we give you the glory. My last appeal to you today, you don't have a church home. You've been hopping from church to church, seeking and looking. Well, today you have found that which you were looking for. The Lord has led you here for a purpose and a reason. 
and that's to connect with Elevate Church. You don't have a church home, but you feel the presence of the Lord calling you to this place. If that's you, would you lift your hand today if that's you? Be a part of what God is doing here. Thank you, Lord. At Elevate Church. Father, we bless you. And God, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you clap your hands and give God some praise in this place? Hallelujah. For those of you lifting your hand, there will be a white cord that's handed to you. Please fill that cord out in its entirety. After you fill it out, hand that cord back to the hand that has handed it to you. Amen and amen. Even for those of you online today, if you decide to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hashtag I said yes or I say yes in the box below. If you're looking to join and be a part of Elevate Church, for those of you online, just simply text the number of the word join to 225 361 2016. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise as we're standing to our feet all over the place? Amen. All standing if you would. Amen. As we're closing out in prayer, I do want to announce yet again for those of you who have interest in our Kingdom Ambassador Leadership Academy, we'll be out in the foyer. You can register and sign up there in the foyer. It's going to be an amazing 12 week life transformative. Uh, uh, opportunity that you have and we want you to sign up today it's going to bless your life matter of fact amen matter of fact can we grab a microphone I want one of our ambassadors to testify Dr. Ruth amen hallelujah and Dr. Ruth upon testifying amen I'm going to get you to close us out in prayer as well uh, for those of you who are here for the first, second, or reoccurring time, I would love to shake your hand, meet you, and greet you. I'll be in the foyer uh, out there. If it's your first, second, or reoccurring time, come on and testify of your experience with Caleb. Amen. God bless you. Amen. <laughs> you say set up. Yes, sir. <laughs> Amen. Oh, what can I say about Kayla? It was really a blessing to my life because uh, for some years I had been away from ministry. Uh, my heart was completely hardened towards church people. <laughs> and so um, out of obedience um, to the Holy Spirit, I signed up for Kayla. And so through the process of the, of the classes and just the fellowship with my brothers and sisters and, and apostle ministry through the word of God, God started to heal my heart and open my heart back up to people because I had been hurt by people. <laughs> so I got to the place where I said yes to, Lord, to, the, to God again to serve people because for a long time I said, I'm done serving your people, God. <laughs> so if you're in that place where you're just kind of in between, you don't know which direction to go in in your life and your call and your anointing, and you know that you've been called by God, you know that God has purpose for you, then I, I really want to compel you to sign up because you will be ministered to in that very exact place where you need to be ministered to. Amen. So don't hesitate to sign up because you will be blessed beyond measure and God will usher you into what he has for you. Amen. Amen. So everyone, please bow your heads. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time of fellowship. 
and communion with you today. And I just ask God that you, Lord, will seal, God, your word by your Holy Spirit, God. Everything that's been poured out through the praise, the worship, God, through the word. I thank you, Lord God, that you are sealing it by your Holy Spirit now, God. And I thank you, God, that we are good ground and we shall bear, God, and produce much good fruit. And I thank you, Lord, that as we leave this place, but never your presence, you will continue to shield, lead, and guide us, Lord, in everything that we do throughout this week, God. I thank you for your blessings, God, being bestowed upon your people, Lord. I thank you, God, for traveling grace, God. And all these things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all be blessed. Oh, oh, oh.